There's victory in the house, right? Amen. Praise God. Well, you've seen our never reached video and that they've waited long enough. Missions is about getting that word to the people and the places that need to hear for the first time. And so I'm excited to be about uh, to be part of your uh, missions, your winter missions. Uh, emphasis, and it's all in God's plan, right? It was supposed to be in the fall. Now it's January. Everything is in God's plan. I think the reason why we're having this in the beginning of 2021 is that early in the year or late in December, the Lord placed a word in my heart that for the church and for the body of Christ, 2021 is going to be a breakthrough year. Are you trusting God for that? Come on. Now, I'm not predicting an end to anything. We're not going to talk about it this morning. I'm not predicting an end to anything that's going on out here. But what I am predicting is that this is going to be a good year for people who believe in Jesus and who trust him for their future and that we're going to see breakthroughs that we've never experienced or seen before. Now, I've got to tell you two things. One, we had a prayer meeting that went a week long in our Asia-Pacific region among our missionaries. I, I declared that 2021 is a breakthrough year, and I said submit personal and ministry prayer requests. And we as a, a, a group of 400 missionaries across Asia and Pacific prayed for a week believing God for breakthroughs. And I just got word last week that we had a major breakthrough in a country I can't name from the pulpit for a missionary who couldn't get in because of that thing and didn't even have a visa to get in even if that thing wasn't going on and we have a visa and we're going into that country in a place to a city that has no churches and no Christians. You know, it's just God is going to do these breakthrough things. You know, I, you know, I will also, I didn't say this in the first service because it just came to me at the end. As I was closing the first service out in prayer, um, I, I feel like the Spirit was speaking to me, and here's what he was saying. He was saying, this is Victory Church. 2021 is going to be a year of victories for the people of Victory Church. 2021 is going to be a year of victories for not just you personally, but for the church at large. 2021 is going to be a year of victories for Lakeland, Florida area. And 2021 is going to be a year of victories for peoples and places who've never in their lifetime experienced the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this missions convention is really about, is you spreading the victory beyond yourself and to others. And, and I just felt that and sensed that strongly as I prayed for the church this morning, that victory is on the horizon. So um, I have not served in Indonesia 100 years. Um, pastor, you know, reduced it down for me a little bit. He said 150 in the first service. Listen, if I had served for 100 years, you'd be like, what kind of supplements are you taking anyway, right? Yeah. So it was 23 years that we served. My wife and I, we raised our family in Indonesia, and uh, we planted churches along the way. We believe that planting the church and establishing it in the places where it's never been before is really the way to completing the Great Commission. And when that's complete, guess what? Jesus is coming back again a second time. Are you ready for that? Now, Sometimes I say that and people are like, 
I kind of like my life here on earth right now, you know? <laughs> well, maybe not this last year, but previous years it was good, right? Listen, we as a church have to put inside of our hearts this desire, even so, Lord Jesus, come. And the timing of that coming is directly tied to getting the word out that Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead. Now, getting that done is not going to be easy. Uh, let, me, let me read you a scripture here. The title of my message today is Missions, the Big Cross. Um, before I share some stories about missions and talk a little bit about what it's going to take to see that happen, I want to share a story, uh, Matthew 16, and I'm going to read verses 13 through 26, and it's an interaction that you've probably read before in the Bible, but here it is, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven." Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? May God add his blessing to the word this morning. Okay, you can tell I'm excited about this passage, right? Um, matter of fact, we could just close things out now because really that says it all in some ways. You've got this amazing interaction. You know, two very important things take place. Number one, there is a declaration that Jesus is the Messiah of all mankind, okay? We believe that, right? We believe Jesus is the, is the one who came, died on the cross to save all of us from our sins. And then secondly, Jesus tells them to complete the mission. He has to pick up a cross and will suffer many things. 
You know, if we're going to get this unfinished task completed, if we're going to complete the call of missions, not only on, uh, on the, the, the broader church, but on your church, on Victory Church, it will require some kind of cross-carrying in your personal life. Now, uh, the title of my message I said was, you know, Missions the Big Cross, and, you know, I, I don't want to try to imply to you that, that, that one Christian suffers or one Christian does more than another Christian. But I want you to know that to complete what's left out in front of us, that video, those people, those places you saw, there are reasons why there's not a church on every corner. There's reasons why that there is no church at all in those places because it is a difficult mission to complete. Now, when I say cross, a couple things about cross. The first thing is that it is cross-cultural. Now, you know, we've all been hearing about cross, uh, you know, uh, a culture anyway. And uh, so cross-culture is, is, you know, culture is kind of these natural habits that we have. But beyond cross, it's, it's a distance. It's a, a chasm that needs to be bridged. I had an opportunity to share in a conference once and talked about missions and what it means to be a missionary. And by the way, a missions is what I like to refer to as incarnational living. So in other words, Jesus bridged the gap from heaven to earth, became human. That was like a big cultural cross, if you don't realize, going to heaven to earth. You know, culture heaven a little better than what we got going here. And so he bridged that, you know. And so when we are going to places and to peoples that have never heard the gospel, somehow we need to become like Christ in the context of those people. But it's not just, uh, you know, cross-cultural. It involves being cross-menu, if I started talking about the things I've eaten in the last 30 years, I mean the SPCA, PETA, and everybody else would be after me, okay? <laughs> uh, let me tell you something. There's this broad menu out there. You know, I, I, I remember taking my kids with me to one of these remote places where we were trying to share the gospel, and that was what they served. I had two of my daughters with me, you know, and they're like, Dad, Pray hard over this meal, okay? You know, <laughs> you know. And then when everybody's got their heads bowed, they're like pushing the bat off of their plate onto mine. I got a triple portion of bat that day, and if you've never eaten a bat, you never want to eat a bat. Is all I can tell you. It's not like crossing the street and going to McDonald's. You know, the Big Mac's not on the menu when you get out to the places that that the that the, that the gospel has never been before. It's cross-language, learning another language and sharing the gospel in that language. It's cross-religion. It's bridging that belief system to tell people about the Lord. It's cross-practices. And finally, it's cross-borders. It's traveling distances and going places that are not easy to get to. You know, during my years of serving in Indonesia, we had lots of natural disasters. And, um, you know, one of the things that plagues Indonesia in recent history are tsunamis. And I use the word plural. We know about the big one in 04. But after that, you know, there were numerous small ones. And, you know, a small tsunami in Indonesia will kill about 2,000 people. And it won't even make the news here. So they had one of those small tsunamis, several thousand people 
lost their lives, villages were wiped out, and uh, we learned of a small island where this tsunami had, um, you know, wiped out an entire village and a place where the gospel, you know, hadn't reached. And so, you know, we, we decided we were going to travel there. You know, I, I, if you've ever seen the movie uh, Walter Mitty, I say this is my Walter Mitty moment. Um, I was trying to get on a boat to get over to this island, and they, they said, yeah, we, we've got a boat going over there. It's, a, it's an oil tanker. I'm thinking like the Exxon Valdez, you know. But it's this wooden boat with three tanks on it, on the deck, one with gas, one with diesel fuel, and one with kerosene. And as I'm walking up the plank, these things are leaking everywhere, and the guy is smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, okay, I am either a man of faith or I have lost my mind to get on that boat right now. You know, it's like, hey, that's a good reason why you shouldn't smoke. It's not about the lung cancer or the other things. You know, you could blow us to kingdom come. You know, it's, it's like at those moments. And then to get on the boat with some supplies and other things and to travel 32 hours over the Indian Ocean and arrive at an island and then try to start to, you know, unload some supplies and help. And, you know, I, I was in the hold of the boat, which was about eye level and helping to upload the supplies. And as I'm looking at eye level, I see three hooks go over the side of the boat and pirates came on board. People said, how did you know they were pirates? I said, well, the first guy over had a patch on his eye and a parrot on his shoulder. No, I'm kidding. That didn't happen. But pirates... They came on board and they stole everything we had. We had, you know, brought some supplies, some clothes, and some of the hard tack things, but we hadn't gotten any food. They took all of our food, all of our money, and they looked at me and the, the, uh, the, the Indonesian guy that was with us said, hey, um, he, they, the pirate said, what about him? You know, like, what can we get for him? And the, the Indonesian brother said, well, he's a pastor. He doesn't have any money, so just leave him alone, you know. So I was glad to be, you know, somebody without a lot of money, you know. It's not worth kidnapping. So they left me alone. We went on shore. We overnighted there. We were planning on spending like three days to help these people and share the gospel. And it was when we woke up in the morning and we realized our only boat had left us deserted on that island with no communications, no food, and no water. You know, rather than kind of sit around and sulk, I had one of my brothers who was on our team, uh, Indonesian brother, had brought a spear gun. So he was spearfishing in the water to kind of keep us eating some food and, and keep us going. And I said, look, we can't just sit around and do nothing. Let's go and salvage from the destroyed village roofing and wood and other things because the, the locals said we won't go in there because of the ghosts. Hundreds of people had died in that wreckage. So we went into the, the wreckage and we started to salvage wood and, and uh, different things to try to help them put shacks and whatever together. And as we were salvaging that stuff, a giant spider fell on my arm and bit me. Now, I can do snakes, I can do all other kinds of creatures, but I am not good with spiders, okay? <laughs> well, you know what the locals all said? He must be a bad pastor, you know. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the story in Paul. He gets bit by the snake, and they're all like, he's a, he's a desperate criminal, you know. I got bit by the spider. My arm swelled up, you know, and I started getting dizzy, and they're like, okay, he's going to die. 
But my team got around me and said, well, look, Pastor Jeff, you know, <laughs> you're usually praying for us, but you're in trouble right now. We're going to pray for you. And so they started to pray for me, and the swelling went down on my arm, and it turned to a scab about the size of a quarter on my arm, and I had no ill effects. The whole village got saved. You see, to get the gospel to some of these places, it's going to require crossing oceans. It's going to require braving poisonous spiders. It's going to require losing a few meals along the way. You see, we've got to be able to cross these distances, these cultures, these difficulties in order to bring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the people and places that have never heard. Second thing I want you to know today is that it is cross-carrying. You know, I kind of love this story in the scriptures because, you know, Peter, um, how would you feel if you were Peter? Just imagine Peter. He's with Jesus, and it's quiz time, right? Jesus has got quiz time, and he says to his disciples, who do men say that I am? And, you know, they're all kind of talking. Peter raises his hand and says, I know. You are the Messiah, Son of the living God. And Jesus says, you get a star on your paper. You got it right. As a matter of fact, I'm changing your name from Simon to Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Awesome, right? How would I, what if it was you? I mean, he would be like, whoa. Oh, man, how cool was that? Four verses later, Jesus says, okay, I'm the Messiah. Don't tell anybody right now. But I got to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to grab me, they're going to beat me, they're going to crucify me, and then I'm going to rise from the dead. So Peter's listening to this and he's like, okay, Jesus, we got to talk. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. You're scaring us, as a matter of fact. Stop talking like that. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Has anyone ever called you Satan before? No, Jesus calls Peter Satan. He says, get behind me, Satan. Can you imagine how confused he is? He goes from being the rock of the church to being called Satan because he couldn't accept the fact that to complete the mission, Jesus would have to pick up a cross and sacrifice. Sometimes we're like Peter if we said, do you believe the truths of Jesus? We're like jumping up and down saying, hallelujah, I believe he's the Messiah. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose again from the dead. Go and tell your neighbor. Well, hey, look, he'll make fun of me. She'll gossip about me. They may even throw something at me. Uh, you know, that's a little too much. I don't want to force, you know, my belief on somebody else or something like that. And, and so in some ways we have this aversion of suffering. I, you know, I would really even say sometimes in the church we are, we are more excited to hear the stories of the resurrection than we are of the cross. Jesus said to his disciples, listen, if we're going to get this thing done, what's going to require is if you are a follower, pick up your cross and follow me. What does that mean for you sitting here in this church or watching online, wherever you're watching from? You need to ask yourself that question. I think sometimes 
We think that the, the, the version of Christianity we're living in is this version where, you know, nothing bad is ever going to happen. I'm God's child. He's going to protect me. And in reality, you are God's child, and he's asking you to pick up a cross and to follow him. It's not just a call to the missionaries. It's not just a call to the people who bring the gospel to people in places who've never heard. It is a call to every person who names Jesus the Messiah to pick up their cross and to follow him. You know, we, I have the, the privilege of, you know, serving with many uh, missionaries and different people. And, of course, when last year when this thing started to happen all over, you know, um, became very difficult for not only people here in the U.S., but people overseas as well. And um, in one of our countries, we had uh, pastors, well, the missionaries were learning that the pastors whose churches had been closed were, were suffering greatly. Um, you know, they were still trying to figure out doing some online things. Believe it or not, you know, you can go online just about anywhere these days. But, you know, they were trying to figure these things out. They weren't getting offerings. And so, you know, the missionary said, hey, Jeff, can you give us some money to help the pastors? And I said, well, man, if I give you some money, every pastor, you know, is going to, I don't know if I can do it. And so the missionaries got together. I love it when they do stuff behind my back. <laughs> they got together and they said, you know what? We'll give money from our salaries. We were gonna, they, they tried to put together a package of about $15 worth of food each month over a number of months. Now, $15, boy, you know, nowadays, <laughs> if you went into, into one of the grocery stores with $15, you probably wouldn't walk out with all that much, you know. Um, but $15, you know, they got a lot of staples. It was actually a pretty good offering. And these pastors received it with love and grace and were thankful. And then they said this. Instead of sending food, send us data. Data? <laughs> you know, we have our cell phones. We pay every month. We got this plan. It's unlimited data, unlimited calls, unlimited texts. Overseas, you have to pay for the data before you use it. It's not a, a, a post-pay program. It's a prepay program. And so they said, send us data for our phones because we're starting to go online and preach the gospel to our congregation. And people in our neighborhood who are friends with us on social media are starting to watch this, but we just don't have any money for data for our phones. We'd rather preach the gospel than eat next month. $15 a month. For some of you here today, you know, you received the faith promise card in the mail. Um, you know, you're watching online, you know, you received that, that letter from pastor and, you know, you, you got this faith promise card. And, and for you, maybe it's been about the offerings to the church and the tithe. A faith promise is believing God for what you don't have. That's why they call it a faith promise. I challenge you to challenge God and put an amount on that card. And if, you've, and if it's entry level, maybe you start at $15 a month and you say, hey, I'm going to help a pastor stream his service in a third world country somewhere. As we talk about sacrificing and we talk about carrying that cross, it goes into places and among people that have never had that opportunity to hear. You know, when it, this cross carrying, uh, we've got two missionaries 
It's not just the, the, the people in our national churches, but we've got two missionaries who, right before this thing took over, they were ill. They actually were both suffering from cancer, and they said, there's not a good prognosis for us. Let us go back to the field and die there. I want my remains buried in the soil of the lands of the people who I wanted to give my life for. Under this thing, both of them have died. Because of this thing, both of them had to be cremated. Couldn't even repatriate the bodies. Matter of fact, as I share this message, we still don't, in one case, we still don't even have the remains in our hands yet. Even to to, to put them in the ground. People are giving their lives because they said, it's so important that I pick up my cross, that I'm willing to give my life for it. I'm willing to have myself buried in the ground of the people. I'll share one other story under this point, and it's really close to home for me. Um, You know, I had uh, three daughters, as Pastor mentioned, and uh, my my second daughter uh, was always the one who just was so passionate about the country where we lived. We'd go out every year on her birthday or a special occasion. And, and, and so I was always like preparing my kids because I'm like, hey, you know, when you get out of high school, you have to go back to America for college. And I remember this, you know, the other kids were like, okay, dad, yep, we'll do that. You know, my, my second daughter was like, no, I'm not going. I'm going to spend the rest of my life here in Indonesia. As a matter of fact, I'll just go to college here, she said. You know? And I'm like, no, 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 you got to go back. And, and, you know, she was pretty disappointed. And, and after she went off to Bible school to study missions, you know, she, she got herself a boyfriend who wasn't called to missions. And I told her, I said, hey, you know, this is a, this is a problem. You can't live in separate countries if you get married, you know. <laughs> and so she said, okay, Dad, let's pray, you know. And so we're praying, and I'm preaching a mission service. And I say, if God has called you to the mission field, raise your hand. And sure enough, her boyfriend raised his hand. I said, okay, we got him. <laughs> and so she's serving in the country, and, and Victory here as the church supports her and, and, and her family. But two years ago, Mother's Day, um, my wife was in the country. My daughter Kelly had just given birth to her first child, and she was, uh, you know, uh, uh, recovering at home, and Liz was there to help her. It was Mother's Day. So on Mother's Day, you know, Liz was out preaching in one of the churches, and my daughter Kelly was at home. And on Mother's Day that year, suicide bombers attacked three churches in the city. One a car bomb one a motorcycle bomb, and one, a woman took her 9- and 11-year-old daughters, strapped bombs to herself and her two kids, and walked into the church in the lobby and said, Happy Mother's Day. Kaboom. Killing scores of people. Well, you can imagine at that time, I was frantic trying to get a hold of Kelly and my wife, and I was back in the U.S. I had come back, and so I'm, I'm trying to get a hold of them, and, and finally, you know, I found out that they were all okay, and, and, and when I talked to my daughter, Kelly, I, I was just saying, oh, I'm so glad you guys are okay, and what's going to happen next with the church and everything, and she said, you know, Dad, you weren't the first person to call me. I said, well, what do you mean I wasn't the first person to call you? And she said, no, my Muslim friend called me. And she said, when I heard about the church bombings, I was frantic to find out if you were okay. 
because you're the only Christian I know. This young woman knows no other Christian in her entire life. And Kelly was the only one. And she said, I thought something happened to you, and I wasn't going to be able to hear you tell me about the things that you've been telling me about Jesus and the Lord. Friends, this is why we pick up our cross and carry it to difficult places, to dangerous places. It's because there's people who don't even have or know one Christian in their life. And they've been waiting their entire life to hear those words. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead for you so that you can have victory in your life. last thing I want to just say to you and share with you this morning is that this mission's endeavor is cross-cognitive. I know cognitive doesn't, it's kind of a, a big word, but it, it doesn't make sense really. You know, this whole thing of Christianity, I don't know about you, but when you think about it on a rational level, sinful mankind didn't deserve a Savior Sinful mankind didn't deserve to be restored, and yet we have this good father in heaven who said, I'm going to send my son down to earth, and he's going to suffer in a human body, and he's going to die for you. And he wants us to do the same. You know, there's ways that you can follow this. You know, you can Get that prayer journal that's out in the lobby. What an amazing journal. I wonder if you went through that daily and just looked at those missionaries, said a prayer for them. Some of them are local here. Some of them are overseas. But you'd get in the daily routine of praying and saying, God, help those other people. You know, there's something about this that just makes sense to me. You know, if God's up in heaven and the only thing we ever hears us say is, God, Help me with my health. Give me a better job. I need more finances. You know, if the list of things we pray, maybe if we went to God and said, you know what, God, you got all my personal stuff. I'm going to pray for somebody else. I wonder if God wouldn't like that kind of prayer. I wonder if he wouldn't think, wow, yes, I'm going to bless them. We need your prayers. We need your prayers. The missionaries need your prayers. I wonder if, going back to the giving thing, that you're making a commitment to missions maybe for the first time in your years in this church or if you're new to the church, that you would make a commitment to this great endeavor. And lastly, maybe you're here today and as I've spoken about picking up your cross and crossing geographic barriers, crossing cultural barriers, crossing barriers that are difficult, that go far beyond where the borders of our country are, you would say, Jeff, that's me. God's been stirring me for missions, I want you to know that missions is for everyone. People think it's for pastors. Listen, missionaries don't start out as pastors. Missionaries don't start out as missionaries. They start out as people who sit in the pew and hear the call of God to go and say, I'm going to set it all aside, Lord, and I'm going to follow you even if it's to the end of the earth. Maybe you're successful in your work and in your personal life. And people would say it doesn't make sense. Didn't make sense for the Lord to come. It may not make sense for you to go. But God is a missions God. And he wants us to pick up our cross. 
and to follow him. I want to ask if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to close in a word of prayer today over the service, trusting that God has spoken to your heart and your life. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Victory Church. I thank you for the mission's legacy that is here, Lord. Supporting missionaries, oh God. Supporting projects, both here in Lakeland, the state of Florida, the USA, but beyond the borders even, Lord. Doesn't make sense. But Lord, we thank you that in your economy, in your way, that, Lord, you're going to help every single person in this room watching online today to make sense out of this mission's call, to make sense for them what it means to pick up a cross. Lord, I pray for those right now struggling to pick up the cross and to follow you, that, Lord, you would give them the strength, that you'd give them the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do so. So, Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to pick up the big cross. To pick up the big cross and to follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you put your hands together and let's thank God for the word that we've heard today. Maybe this week already uh, you received a letter from me uh, and it has to do with your card in that letter. And it's a letter that talks about missions. The very first offerings that we took at Victory Church well, 32 years ago was missions. I knew that there's no way any church, any ministry can be successful until you're willing to give out of yourself to others that you do not know. It's just the way it is. I have a question. Number one, the question is this. Do you believe in missions? Do you believe in the Great Commission? If you believe that, and I believe all of you do, I can't imagine anyone not believing that, but if you don't, you know, just talk to God about it. But if you believe in missions, here's the second thing. The second question is, God, what am I to do if I believe in missions? What's my calling? Then we know that God reaches down and and speaks to people, young couples, that uh, and says, "I want you to, I want you to leave your comfortable surroundings, and I want you to go to the mission field. I want you to leave that job, and I want you to engage in a particular mission." And we know that that happens. For example, Wayne and Tammy Brown and Rebecca, uh, they, we support them. But Wayne was an high tech genius at Publix. And one day, one day, God spoke to him, and he said to me, Pastor, I think I'm called to missions. And I'm thinking, wow, I hope you, I hope you believe that's real. But he believed that it was. He started the course, of course, and faced many challenges. And today, they are on the mission field serving God to the best of their ability. Well, what are we called to do? So if God didn't call me to go, then here's what God's called us to do. To be prayer warriors for our missionaries 
and to be givers, to be givers. Now listen carefully. The tithe is God's. That comes the support. We do that every week, and that supports the infrastructure, supports ministries, supports all the things that we do for the congregation here at Victory Church. But missions giving, and that tithe belongs to God, missions giving is sacrificial. Our guest today said, you know, that human nature has the propensity, as Peter did, hey, you know, thanks for calling me the rock, but when you say, Jesus, you're going to be crucified and, and come from the dead again. He said, we don't want you to do that. That's too much of a sacrifice. And Jesus rebuked to Peter, you heard it. Hey, you're a devil, Satan, get behind me. You know, if you don't believe in sacrifice, you're not a part of me. So I'm asking you, you have the prayer journal. You have it available to you. Be sure you commit to pray and say, now, what am I going to do about this giving part? Well, in the mail, if you haven't received it yet, most of you have, I hope, you're going to see an envelope and a card like this. And here's what I'm asking. If you're not going to be here next week, and those of you online say, I'm not going to be online next week. I'm going to be, I'm going to be in Chattahoochee. I don't know. I'm going to be somewhere else. So I'm not going to be available to make a faith promise. I'm asking you to make that faith promise today. What I really prefer in prayer, and I, I want to speak as God has spoken to us. I'm asking you to bathe your decision in prayer. I'm asking you to seek God and say, God, what is it you want me to do that would really be sacrificial? 21 is going to be a banner year. I refuse to believe the lies of the enemy that already in media and already the forecasters and already a lot of people and already people say, oh, pastor, 20 was going to be a rough year. Can I tell you something? If it was not rough for the individuals that went into the fiery furnace and they stayed cool and dry and not singed, I think we could face anything as long as the man is with us. Amen. So that's my goal. He is with us. So you join me in that basic belief system. And so, all right, God, I want to bathe it in prayer, and I want to dig deep sacrificially. Sharon and I have done that for many, many, many years. Our tithe, and then our missions giving, and our development giving, and bathe it in prayer. And I ask you to do something else. I ask you to take your children and say, hey, kids, we're going to pray over this before we turn it in, if not this week, but next week, we're going to pray over this. You kids are going to see a miracle, mom and dad, or if you're a single parent, dad or mom or whatever caregiver, see, here's what's going to happen. This is sacrificial for us, but I guarantee you, based on God's word, God is going to provide some way for this to take place. Some way this is going to take place by the grace of God. And it will happen. I had a board member one time in one of the churches I pastored. God was blessing and I was getting paid off for percentage. And he came to me about a year in and he said, I think you're making too much money. Oh, you do? 
Well, when I was making $20 a week, you didn't think it was too much money. But now that I'm making two or $300 a week, you think it's too much money, do you? He said, yep, I do. I said, well, I'll tell you what. God is going to supply my need. And I'm, I'm going to take that part of the salary that I'm going to give back to put a down payment on a piece of property across the street there. So, in other words, my salary that I don't get is going to go to buy that property. Well, that's all right. He never thought we'd buy it anyway. Well, then what did you do, Pastor? Well, I, you know what else I did? I found me a little part-time job. I said, where there's a will, there's a way. If that's taken away, I got another way to make that need be met. So I just got myself out there and got with it. You see, here's the point. When you have a mind to do something, you will figure it out by the grace of God. So get ready for the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit supernaturally. And then let me say to many of you young families and you young people, start now. Young person, make some kind of commitment. No gift is too small. Put God to the test because this will radically change your life. So would you do that? And then there's the one-time offering. You say, well, I won't be here. We'll put that one-time offering and the card in an envelope today. Sharon and I will give hundreds of dollars to the one-time offering today. And if you don't do it today, next week, come prepared with a check to say, I'm going to support the missions conference. That's the printing of the books, the cost of missionaries and all that goes with it to make this conference happen. So plan to give that sacrificial offering next week, if not this week, if you're not going to be able to participate. So here we go. One, I believe in missions. Two, then what's my responsibility to pray and to give? Three, how am I going to give? I'm going to give sacrificially. Four, am I going to give a one-time offering? Yes. What am I going to do? Six, I'm going to pray over it. And I'm going to believe that there's no way that this will happen without the supernatural intervention of the Lord. But you know what? The unique things that intrigue me about the Bible are the supernatural things. You know it? The supernatural things. You know, they, they receive manna from above. A manna from above every day. You know, one of the questions that always intrigued me. How did you make them like it? That's like eating fried chicken every single day. You know, God, what made them like it? Might have been Italian taste. Might have been a Cuban taste. Here's the point. God is a God of creative ability. Are you ready? Are you ready? Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray blessing over you now. Father, we already know what we are going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to seek you. We're going to give sacrificially. We're going to take it to you. We're going to believe that something is going to happen beyond my imagination. God, it's going to go way beyond that because I will be blessed not according to the amount of my sacrifice. Because you multiply my sacrifice. And you send it back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So I need to build bigger barns and lengthen my cords. 
Because as I walk by faith, things that I cannot control, things that, that I cannot create or manufacture is going to come from you. And I'm standing on your word and I declare it. In Jesus' name, bless and minister. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Now, don't forget Wednesday night. Going to be here. We're going to talk missions. I want you to come on and let's have a great old time. As you leave today, try to behave. Don't get in anybody's face. And especially when you're leaving the parking lot, be gracious and kind. Love you, everybody.